Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Three people and you're going to have four weeks to do something. <laughs> it started out of pure stubbornness, which is great. <laughs> Without necessarily meaning to, I think we found this quite interesting niche. No, we did some stuff, and the fact that it's invisible means it works. <laughs> I think art is encoded knowledge and uh, experience. At that time, we were really fascinated by the whole transmedia concept. That was it, not the time-travelling robot idea that we had. Hello, I am Sam Fry, and welcome to the Technique Podcast. This is where we speak to artists and people in the creative industries about technology. Regular listeners may have noticed that there haven't been as many shows recently. Our apologies for this, although both myself and Richard, like many others, have found our lives becoming quite busy during this lockdown period, which has impacted the show. But we are really pleased to be sharing a new show today. So in today's episode, we are talking about events management. And I'm really excited to speak to a good friend of mine who runs a variety of different types of events. Her name is Helen Brady, and here she is introducing herself. Okay, so I'm Helen Brady, and I'm currently Senior Event Manager with Events Northern, which is a small agency based in the Northwest. We specialise in corporate events, be that conferences, exhibitions, award ceremonies, things like that. But we work up and down the country on a huge variety of projects. So we're not sector specific. We work across kind of multiple sectors doing range of different projects. I used to live with Helen at university. These days, Helen is an amazing events manager who works for Events Northern, a bespoke events company based out of the northwest of England. She is also one half of Make Do Drink, a series of craft making events in Preston that she runs with graphic designer Nicola Darwin. We spoke about what it involves to run events, how the industry has been shaken up by the COVID-19 pandemic and how the industry is blending the physical and digital. We also talk a little about egg rolling. What am I talking about? Well, let's just keep it as a little Easter egg for later. (coughs) Anyway, let's jump into the interview. To get started, I began by asking Helen how she got involved in the events industry after our time together at uni. I didn't have my heart set on events when I was at uni because it's not what I did at university either. But one of the last kind of projects or kind of modules that I did at uni was getting some work experience with one of the lecturers there and they were organising like a publishing conference that I helped out on the last few months and I really enjoyed it and it kind of like piqued my interest a little bit and it's never really something I'd thought about before but then when we finished uni and graduated and you've got the kind of daunting thing of like oh my god what am I going to do next one of the many jobs that I applied for at the time was like an event assistant job so I started with the same company that I work for now I started with 10 years ago and originally they'd sort of taken me on for like four weeks work experience but at the time I ended up staying for about six months And then they weren't at the point where they kind of couldn't scale up and take me on kind of permanently. But I used to 
for another like three or four years I used to take holidays from my other jobs to like freelance with them and stuff so I always kind of kept in touch and, and kept my hand in and stuff like that because it was it was just something I really enjoyed and then about five years ago I went back full-time and I've yeah been there ever since so did you think you'd do anything else at that time when you were looking at other kinds of jobs at the time I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do I still think that now a little bit, like unless you want to be like a doctor or a lawyer or, a, you know, like a really specific like career path. If you're interested in loads of different things, you don't know at like 18 or 21 necessarily what you want to do. I think it, there's just so much and there's so many jobs that, you, that exist that you don't even know are jobs. It's quite a daunting thing. So I'd applied for all sorts of stuff, but yeah, kind of ended up starting out with this and quite quite pleased really because it's it's like something that like fits really well and I don't think I'd ever would have thought about it like I never really thought to do like a event management degree at uni or anything like that but but they're quite popular now as well they're kind of growing in popularity across across the country what kind of events do you do with events northern mainly corporate stuff as opposed to kind of other stuff so we do a lot of conferences and exhibitions so like b2c exhibitions but kind of across like a whole variety of sectors. So a lot of agencies are maybe sector specific. So they might just work for like pharma companies or they might just work in finance, but we're kind of cross sector. So I've done stuff with big IT companies. So their annual um, flagship thought leadership days, corporate conferences. We've done awards ceremonies for like the patient experience network one of the biggest projects that we work on is called the muslim lifestyle expo which is a huge b2c ex public exhibition that's run for the past five years that's obviously specifically kind of aimed at businesses that cater to the muslim sector so yeah like a whole big mixture of things really it's really interesting whenever i see pictures of you at events they always look very shiny and glossy yeah i think they, they always end up like touch wood they always end up looking like that but if you took a picture three hours before or eight hours after it's usually like organized chaos um, and you're like running around like an idiot trying to make sure everything's done and all the moving parts are like in the right place at the right time and stuff like that but that's part of the fun of it really is you spend such a long time working on something and planning something the best part about it all is like seeing it all come to life seeing it all happen and then it all kind of ends really quickly and you're like, whew, that's, that's another one done. <laughs> oh, yeah, what's involved in general in events planning and, and management? Some agencies only take on kind of certain aspects of stuff, but we, we, we're kind of like a bit all enveloping. So we'll take, clients will come to us with just like the smidgen of an idea and we'll take them through that whole process, basically. So we do everything from delegate management and registration to exhibition sales to floor planning to logistics, operations. So every element of a big project we keep a handle on. And we do work with other suppliers and stuff for external things. So like be that like an AV company or if we're doing kind of fashion stuff, we'll get like a modeling agency in and all that kind of thing. So we do coordinate with people, but we will like source all those people and, and work the centre of all the information, if you will. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff kind of involved in it. It's it's a lot of pre-work and a lot more pre-work than... It's difficult to appreciate how much work there is that goes into things ahead of time. When you're just there on the day, it just kind of all happens. But especially kind of big exhibitions and things like that, a lot of the venues that you tend to use, you literally just get given four walls and a ceiling and nothing else is in there. It's all kind of, so you, you build everything from like the carpet electrics upwards. So 
as you know, I one of my hobbies is kayaking, and there's been a couple of times where I've been involved in organising a kayaking competition. So we did a competition last year that had six teams, which isn't a lot, and it was a one-day thing. And the idea was let's do something really simple and put that on. And it took crazy amounts of time just to even organise that. And that was a, a basic thing where we were we kind of knew the teams that we were going to invite and and how we were going to organize it but there there's always things that you go well actually we need to create a list here there's a lot to work through just to get the day right and then the day is fine the day the day is usually again touch wood relatively like stress maybe not stress-free but the second you involve people things take ages (laughs) have you ever had any bad hiccups on a on the day or or things that you've had to suddenly adapt to during the event itself yeah definitely there's definitely been a few things nothing that's had to like put a stop to anything or or anything like that i think part of the job is like being really reactive so as soon as something happens you kind of like got to think on your feet and deal with it as quickly and safely as, as possible especially if it's like a public event one thing that we went to we had like a security issue with a vehicle that was parked outside and there was like concerns about it and things like that and to the point where like the venue were quite concerned and we were potentially going to have to shut the event down midday because we couldn't find out whose vehicle it was and it was becoming a bit of concern and it turns out it was it was just like an exhibitor's car that was parked in the wrong place that they'd forgotten about or left because they were really busy and to them, once we'd found them and said, can you move the car? They were like, yeah, of course, obviously I'm really sorry but we were like, 10 minutes from kicking out thousands and thousands of people which I don't want to have to do that but to someone else when you just go oh can you move your car they're like oh yeah yeah not a problem it's, it's absolutely fine but again that's just kind of not knowing the stuff that goes on behind it all and like thinking it all the way through and then obviously at the moment we are still in this period of lockdown hopefully not for too long but there is a an element of lockdown at least still going on and who knows what's going to happen in the future. A lot of these physical events have, have either been paused or delayed. What, what's your observations of, of the industry at the moment? Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's been hit hard and potentially will be hit one of the hardest because, you know, it was like one of the first things to go and it's going to be one of the last things to come back. Quite rightly in that, you know, everyone needs to be safe and, and no one would want to bring anything back too soon or in an unsafe manner just to just to kind of get back to work but my kind of observations of it are that a lot or the majority of people that I know in the industry all their work disappeared in March basically and and did will have done for the rest of the year and there's still no real date in mind as to when that might come back which is a concern and I think the industry kind of thoughts are that 50 or 60 percent of companies within the industry are going to either not see this through or they're going to have to make quite serious redundancies at some point along the way and i think also the industry is made up of that it's not necessarily just big huge companies it's a lot of small cogs that make up like a big huge machine and a lot of freelancers as well it's like so a huge huge amount of freelancers especially within like audio visual so like sound guys and and kind of staging people and and riggers and leckies and all that kind of thing and a lot of those are self-employed and they're not always caught in all the government schemes and potentially are some of the people that have like fallen through the cracks a little bit as well so i think it it has it's had a huge impact on the events industry i think with technology nowadays obviously there's huge potential for everything to pivot at the moment 
you know, there's, there's loads of stuff you can do and the technology is amazing, but I don't know if it'll ever quite be the same as face-to-face, which, you know, it will come back, but I think just the kind of question mark as to when that will be. Have you seen many people try to innovate and do completely new stuff that you haven't seen before i think people are thinking in the future kind of more long term they're thinking that hybrid events are going to be a lot bigger than they were so kind of a mixture of the virtual platform and in-person things when they're safe and allowed again because there's been so many virtual events and everyone's been zoomed and skyped and webexed out at the moment with with kind of the sum and which is brilliant in that you can keep in touch with so many people and it's kind of come to a stop now but when it first started we were doing a couple of quizzes a week with all my friends and which is great because you would never have been able to do that a few years ago so the, the kind of platforms that are available are amazing and they've been really quickly developed as well and advanced because of this situation but yeah I think going forward there's definitely going to be more of a focus on hybrid things so some people will go in person, but I think there's still going to be quite a big appetite for being able to access things virtually as well, which opens things up to loads more people. Like your audience becomes, you know, potentially like worldwide. But I think there's also a question of whether people find enough value in virtual events. Because I know quite a few agencies that have pivoted and are running virtual events are running them, but they're not necessarily running them profitably. So there's there's kind of that to weigh up as well i guess yeah the other thing i know this is spoken about a lot in the corporate world outside of the pandemic and the reasons for not having physical events at the moment is there's also environmental issues about people traveling to events especially some of the big corporate events where people are flying in from all over the world or, or whatever even before all of this i was hearing a, a kind of an increase in people saying well actually we we want to reduce the amount that we do send people out to those we want to find ways of doing stuff remotely i mean there is a cost of doing stuff remotely environmentally in reality but there were some murmurings about actually driving towards digital events anyway definitely before this i would say in the past especially in the past like 12 months even with in-person events, there's definitely been much more of a focus on how they can be made as environmentally friendly as possible or as green as possible. Making a conference completely paperless, stepping away from exhibitors, getting like a bag of merch that they don't really need and taking things all, all kind of onto an app, which has been quite popular. And even things like venues are getting more green aware in that they've, a lot of them have now got like water kind of filling stations or you kind of take your own kind of reusable cup and even like little things like that. And the industry was definitely like aware of its environmental impact. But I think this will definitely kind of push that along even further. It's hard though, isn't it? Because I kind of like that stuff at an event. If I go to an event, I kind of want to get some freebies and, and walk away. It probably is right not to have them, but you, you kind of do. <laughs> it's part of the fun of it. Yeah, it's a really weird line, isn't it? Because people, especially if it's like a sales thing or it's, an, you know, if you go to an exhibition, people are usually there to sell you stuff or you're usually there with something in mind to like be purchasing or whatever. And obviously like a big way of drawing people into their stand is like giving away freebies and it's like a fine line. I think people have got to kind of, because even the public are like far more environmentally aware than they ever were before. So I think if people are kind of showing a, a kind of inkling of as being like a bit more green or whatever, that kind of makes them more appealing anyway. For, for like a, quite a while, a lot of places were doing branded merch, but they were doing like branded reusable cups or water bottles or, do you know, to kind of like start the ball rolling. 
yeah, it's interesting. I haven't really gone to any virtual conferences or, or anything like that in the recent months. But one thing that I have done quite a bit is is engage in some of those artistic or creative events online. So live comedy as one thing, which is another industry that's been hit quite hard. I've ended up buying a couple of those events, which actually, they, I mean, they're nothing like watching a, a live comedy show. It is something completely different. But it is quite a nice thing to sit on your sofa and watch and have, I mean, a beer or, or two and just kind of lazily watch along with and you might not have the same atmosphere as you would in a live comedy gig and it's definitely nothing like that but there is something interesting about those kinds of events coming up yeah definitely myself and my friend ran a virtual craft workshop on glastonbury weekend we did it like over zoom we kind of taught people how to make flower crowns to kind of go with like the glasto theme so even that is like something that we never would have thought about doing before but we just kind of thought, oh, we'll give it a go and see if people want to get involved and stuff. And that was really good. That was really fun. If people are doing things online, you can still kind of make it really interactive because if people buy a ticket, you can send out like you know, like a, a box of stuff that's got all the bits in, like the kit and stuff. And then you can join in online with a workshop as you go along or, or whatever. I think, I think that'll be like the mixture going forward as well. Is There'll be the option, whereas there might not have been before. It might have just have been live or nothing. I think now there's probably always going to be the option of you don't actually have to be there. If you don't want to be there, you don't have to miss out. You're talking about your own event series as well, right? This Make Do Drink. Obviously, as we're friends, I've been following online, but also I've got an interest in craft too. So can you tell me a bit about, yeah, Make Do Drink? Where did that start? And then maybe we can talk a bit about those those virtual events. We started in like March last year. And it's myself and my friend Nicola Darwin, who's a graphic designer. We kind of did it on a bit of a whim, really, in that we both used to live in like quite a big city. So I used to live in Manchester and Nicola used to live in London. And now we're both back in Preston. And there's not necessarily like as much going on in Preston as the as there was in the kind of bigger cities that we were in. And we thought there was kind of like a bit of a gap in the market for something like that in Preston. And that like, would there be a bit of interest there? And we were we're both quite passionate about kind of like shopping local and supporting, you know, independent businesses and things like that. So, yeah, so we kind of teamed up with like a local florist to kind of run our our first workshop. And we did we did it around Mother's Day last year. So it was kind of like hand tied bouquets. So it all kind of fitted in and we hosted it at a local cocktail bar in Preston. So we kind of used independent people all around and it went really well. We put like one session on on sale and we ended up having to add tickets. Then we ended up doing two in one day, which was great. And then we'd not really thought about what we were going to do next. There was a bit of a gap. I think we've done about 12 different workshops now. We teamed up with about five or six different venues and five or six like local makers to do like different crafts. So we've done like floristry kind of based ones. We've done macrame. I never know which way you say it. I don't know if it's macrame or macrame. What else have we done? Candle making. People really like candle making. And then we had plans to like do kind of like move into like pottery and and textiles and stuff this year. But obviously they've kind of been postponed at the moment. But yeah, it's really good. It's really casual. It's really laid back. It's not too serious. No one's got to be like perfect at it. It's just a have a go thing. And I think people quite like spending the money on like experiences as opposed to stuff. I think people are kind of moving towards that a lot more. And I think they probably will when we're allowed back out again as well. So, <laughs> I think they're great. There's the make and the do. 
but it's also the drinking element and that's the it's like an evening activity and you you go away with something right yeah exactly and you've not kind of like sat in front of a screen it's like got you away from your phone or got you away from your computer or your telly and it's kind of stuff that myself and Nicola and our friends did anyway so like every Christmas we always used to get together at the beginning of December and make our own like Christmas wreaths and stuff like that so it's just an extended version of what and we all like you know that was always like one of the highlights of like December is like getting together and like drinking loads of mulled wine and like building our own things and having music on and it's just all dead laid back and we thought if we do this and we really enjoy it other people probably would as well people seem to think it's like a nice couple of hours away from doing what they would normally do like midweek or whatever and like you said they get to go home with something that they've made as well so you've got like a bit of something to show for your time which is cool so you're talking about the last one you did you did as a virtual one how did that go did you send people a box of stuff or, or was there instructions on what to collect we did it quite last minute and we didn't want it to cost anything so we did it it was like a free workshop so we sent out a newsletter to our subscribers and just said we're going to do this on this date sign up here and we made sure that the kind of like kit list was really really basic stuff so there was only like four or five things on it and i think three of them you would have had at home anyway all people had to buy was like a bunch of supermarket flowers or you know it was nothing too expensive or professional or anything like that and then the final product wasn't you know it was slightly different to how we would have done it in real life but it was like good fun and people kind of really enjoyed it and it fitted in well with like the Glastonbury thing so I had a Glastonbury on all weekend kind of watching all the highlights and stuff so yeah it was just nice to like see people and like again like just do something like different with your time I think if we did it again we definitely kind of maybe think about it a bit more and potentially like send out boxes and kits and stuff and obviously like there'd be a bit of a cost to that but as like a good trial it was really it was really good fun do you have any plans further for make do drink are you do you have plans both in the physical or the digital world we well like i said we kind of had to cancel or we kind of just put on sale kind of like a pottery workshop and we have plans for some textile things as well so hopefully you know touch wood when things can come back we'll be able to put those back on sale again and there'll be like new crafts that we've not done before and then we are talking about maybe kind of starting a bit more of a kind of regular blog or newsletter so potentially kind of getting in touch with some local makers or bar owners or in the kind of theme of make do drink and kind of asking them a few questions about how these got started and what it is they do and just maybe do like a few like little mini profiles on people that we find quite interesting so yeah there's like a a few kind of plans it's one of those things that kind of always gets a bit sidetracked for for other stuff but yeah we've had a bit of time to think about it so it's definitely something we want to carry on doing the other area which i wanted to ask you about on that is so in preston and i remember this from when we lived together there is a a tradition at easter of rolling eggs down uh, chocolate eggs down a big hill i noticed around easter there was you were getting quite a bit of attention on your make do drink pages around some of that uh, you had a kind of a campaign around making that real even while lockdown was going on yeah we did because easter felt it was like a couple of weeks after lockdown and it's a, it's a really weird local tradition that i was always under the impression everyone in the country did and then when i went to uni i realized they didn't because you and our other friend Matt were like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, Helen. <laughs> Why would you roll your egg down the stairs or the hill or whatever? But yeah, normally there's like a local park in town and 
it's like a 150 year old odd year old tradition and people have always gone and they've thrown like chocolate eggs down the hill or like hard boiled eggs and every, like everyone goes on easter monday and there's usually thousands weather dependent there's like thousands of people there and it's a really big kind of preston thing so yeah so me and nicola kind of took it upon ourselves basically to to kind of make it virtual this year so we kind of built and launched this campaign within like a couple of weeks of, of Easter Monday, like just before Easter Monday. But it kind of really hit hit the spot with quite a lot of people. And it, it was, I think it was far more popular than we ever really like intended in the end. The local council got in touch with us and they'd said they were thinking about doing something similar, but they didn't really have the resources. So they jumped onto the back of our campaign. It was backed by like Preston Police because obviously we were encouraging people to stay inside not gather together which was really important at the time we managed to get quite a lot of local coverage like on the radio local radio stations and like bbc northwest tonight ended up picking it up as well and we got entries from like up and down the country like some of the entries that we got that people submitted of like their videos and stuff were from as far down south as cornwall and devon and stuff so it traveled they were all like originally from people from preston and they kind of heard about it some weird way and they were like, oh, it's brilliant that we can like get involved this year because we know we're like we missed them going to the park, and so it was really good fun actually. It was far bigger than we like intended it to be. We kind of just did it to keep ourselves busy, but people really liked it. People all over the country going, see, I told you it was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I told you, I, I told you it was a thing. It's not just us being weird. <laughs> That was my interview with Helen Brady. I really recommend you looking up Helen and her work, especially what she is doing with Make Do Drink. She mentioned that she is really open to people reaching out too. So here's how. If anyone wants to get in touch about if they've got any questions about the industry or got any kind of queries about anything or if anyone is, has got any ideas that they just want to chat through they don't even necessarily have to be kind of event related or anything like that I would kind of say like just drop me a message on like Twitter or Instagram or anything I'm always happy to have a brew and a natter with people about kind of any ideas or projects that they might be working on and see how we can expand those or like work together or partner with people so if you're kind of even a little bit more interested just just get in touch how can I get in touch with you what's your what's your handles so I'm at Helen V Brady on Twitter and Instagram and what about make do drink we're just at make do drink on instagram so then give us a follow and kind of see what we're up to so even if they're not our, our events tend to be or at the moment are kind of obviously quite local to, to preston like i said we're thinking about starting off blog series and things like that so if people want to feature they kind of just interested they can like sign up to our newsletter so they're kind of added to the list and find out a little bit more about it I'd like to say thanks again to Helen for being part of this interview and thank you for listening and for bearing with us during this slightly slower period of podcasts coming out. We are still intending to release these once a month, so hopefully there will be another episode again this time next month. In the meantime, make sure you stay safe and take very good care of yourself. Goodbye. Design thinking has exploded into the workplace of the 21st century, putting humans at the heart of design. 
Or does it? Isn't it just the post-it note workshops? More importantly though, where did it come from? How did it become such a massive industry? And where on earth is it going? Is design thinking what is taught in design schools? And can it be used as a philosophy for the future? Find out more as we, Richard Adams and Sam Fry, explore these ideas with experts in the field on our first technique mini-series about design thinking. Subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode.